On today's first round KO, we get to talk a lot about the MLB trade deadline. We start with hashtag mad about it and the Brewers getting Jonathan Scope. And then we talk about why Bryce Harper was made available in Washington. And then we go down the list of every deadline deal that we thought was of importance um, and talk about each one briefly and how it affects each team going forward. And then we get to talk a little Canadian Football League hashtag comeback season. Let's get it. Shock the system. Welcome to the most must-hear WSUW sports podcast in history. Welcome to First Round KO. I am your host, KO, a.k.a. Howard J. Dingers, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Connor J. Moore. Today's show, if earlier today was an indication, is brought to you by Twitter users and their fascination with AJ Styles. AJ Styles, <laughs> who reminds you that they don't want none. They do not want none. <laughs> that was one of my best, one of the best feeds I've seen about this Brewers, the, the, the scope trade. Someone, someone said... I was to- literally, <laughs> I was like eating food, and, I, and, and you, you said, like you shared me the tweet confirming who all went where and everything. Yeah. And then I scrolled through the response, and then the one dude posted the lineup, one dude was like, oh, wow, I'd be afraid. And then the dude who posted the projected lineup just goes in all caps, they don't want none. And then a random person comes in and just tweets a gif of AJ Styles. I was just like, Twitter stays undefeated. Always. Twitter always stays undefeated. They're always on top of the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was great. But what was not so great <laughs> was the content of that tweet and the breaking news um, because obviously today was the trade deadline, so we're going to be talking a lot of baseball. Majority uh, of this is actually going to be baseball today and free agents. They're not free agents, the trades that happened today before the deadline. Um, and we're going to start with – we're actually going to start with a segment. We're going to start with hashtag mad about it because I am I, – I always feel like I <laughs> – I always sigh before this. I am I'm very mad at the Brewers. Um, we talked about it in the last podcast. We we said Connor even said it. He said the Brewers, you know, would be considered losers if they did not pick up a starting pitcher before the trade deadline. Um, obviously, they still have a chance to go back in the waiver wires. Um, you know, try to get someone claiming. You know, the, however, the, however that all works, um, that's still an option. The, this is the non-waiver trade deadline. So there are still loopholes. People can still switch teams. But as far as straight-up trading players, um, the Brewers did not get a starting pitcher. Um, instead, they got Jonathan Scope, which, by the way, I like Shoop better. <laughs> when I first saw his name, I thought it was Shoop, and I wish it was Shoop because I like, I, like <laughs> I like that better than Scope. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm mad about it because – First of all, all right, I got I got notes on this. I, I actually wrote notes today. I, I don't doubt that. I so 
so just to go through it, the Baltimore Orioles traded second baseman Jonathan Scope to the Milwaukee Brewers for second baseman Jonathan VR, right-hander Luis, er, Luis Ortiz, and shortstop Gene Carmona, who is uh, the 14th-ranked prospect in the MLB pipeline right now. Um, and those two were both in the minors. Jonathan VR was obviously a pretty regular starter for the Brewers at second base. Um, now, here I have two questions uh, for this trade. One, why why did they make so for if they're going to make this trade for Scope? Why why did they go get Mustakis? Because the whole point of getting Mustakis. And I talked about this in the last show, on Monday's show. The whole point of getting Moustakis was to put Moose at third and to move Shaw over to second to have both of their bats in the lineup and then be able to put Arcia, who doesn't have a great bat, at shortstop because he has a good glove. So then that balances out your bats and your defense. Because Shaw's, Shaw's a pretty underrated defender. Um, and he answered the questions too. He played a couple. He's played two games now. He's currently playing at second tonight as we're recording this. And um, the biggest question, because moving from third to the middle infield, the biggest question would be fielding a ground, or uh, not a ground ball, a uh, double play. He did that tonight pretty cleanly, I might add. So so Shaw can handle it. Moose, obviously, is comfortable at third. He can move to second if Shaw isn't comfortable there. So why, if you planned on getting scope, why make the trade for Moose? And the other the other side of that is... Why, if you if the plan was to get Moose, then why did you get Scope? Like, it's a double-edged so Like, you either needed one or the other. We needed middle infield, and they both, in in some weird way, answered that. With, with Scope either being at second, just flat out being there, or Moose, and then Shaw being at second. Though, that was our big thing, and we, we tried to kill <laughs> one bird with two stones. And that... It, it just it floors me because, first of all, I don't think, looking back at this, and I, this is exactly what I said when it first started or when it first happened, I don't think Scope was part of this plan. I think Moose was the plan, and then I think, you know, obviously, Soria before that. It was Soria, then Moose. And then I think that Archer, or at least some sort of starting pitcher, was the next piece of this plan. And, you know, I think their their obvious plan, once they agreed to the trade for Moustakis, was for him at third and Shaw at second, and then to get the starting pitcher, most likely Archer. But Pin, uh, Pittsburgh, the Pirates come in at the last second with a buzzer-beating blockbuster trade to get Chris Archer, and the Brewers, the Brewers panicked. The Brewers started freaking out. Oh, my goodness, we only got our two guys. Now we can't go get a starting pitcher. Uh, we've been talking to Baltimore. Baltimore, do you still want these guys? Okay, yeah, cool. We'll take this guy. Um, well, crap. Now what do we do? Now we have a second. Now we have a third baseman, and a third baseman that we already had, who we tried moving to second. But now we have a second baseman who could play shortstop, but isn't really a shortstop. I, I think this was a panic move by the Brewers and it makes me incredibly worried as a Brewers fan it makes me angry makes me mad about it for sure but it makes me worried 
because it feels like they weren't able to execute the plan that, you know, that felt like it was actually falling into place. We started the season with too many outfielders. That that has fallen into place. We got rid of some to bring in some other pieces, Soria and Moustakas. And, and then the next part of the plan felt like a, a starting pitcher, and we just didn't do that. We needed a, a starting pitcher, and we didn't get one. It felt like they weren't able to execute the plan that they had in place. Scope just feels like getting a piece just for the sake of getting a piece. There, there doesn't seem to be a reason behind it because now you have – we started the season with too many outfielders, and now it feels like we have too many infielders, which I, I, I have to preface by saying it's a great problem to have for the Brewers. It's a it's a fantastic problem to have because now you can you can switch up the lineups. It can be situational. You know, I'm not comp- I am not at all complaining about Jonathan Scope being on the Brewers. I'm very excited about Jonathan Scope. He's an all he's a former All Star. He's he's been very hot lately after the All Star break. Uh, he's a great play. He was the Player of the Week. I think the Brewers are probably the first team ever to have both Players of the Week AL and NL. But I it just it feels like. It was a desperation heave that didn't have any reasoning behind it. And so now the big questions are, what do you do with Shaw, which some people are saying, okay, just move scope to short, but he can't play. He can't play that well. A defense, it's like he's a second baseman. He, there's a reason he's a second baseman. He doesn't have the range that Orlando Arcia might have. So what do you do with Arcia? Arcia now becomes a, a role player that plays once or twice a week. And you lose that defense in the middle. Yeah, Shaw, like I said, like, like I said on the show on Monday, Shaw is a very capable defender at second. But the reason that they wanted him at second was so that they could put Arcia there, and Arcia can help him out. And because Arcia has, you know, first to third range almost with pop flies, so he can help Shaw out. But now, if you put Scope there, now they both have limited range. They both have second baseman range. It just it. None of this, none of the scope trade makes sense, especially after Mustakis. If we didn't make the Mustakis trade and then we traded for scope, it would make perfect sense. But now that we have both of them, it just feels like Moose was part of the plan, Soria was part of the plan, and now scope was just a last minute panic move because we didn't get Chris Archer. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Connor. Um,. Well, the Jonathan Scope deal, I think, was, I mean, like we had talked about in the previous show, that was one of the things that was already being, and as you mentioned, it was one of the things that was already being talked about. You know, once they saw that Kevin Gosman got traded to Atlanta, that was ruled out, and that happened before the Archer trade. Mm -hmm. And then the Archer trade uh, happened, and then, you know, so that went one of the bigger bigger pitching gems that, that were on the market. Obviously, whatever the Mets' asking price was for Wheeler was too high for the Brewers to want to engage because they already took DeGrom and Thor and Noah Syndergaard off the market. So whatever whatever asking price it was for Wheeler, apparently the Brewers didn't want to do anything with that, which I can't really blame them if it was as astronomically high as it was reported out to be. But... And then they go and get Jonathan Scope, which, okay, it's, it's you addressed the need of getting a middle infielder about 72 hours too late. Mm-hmm. 
And that this is the thing that confuses me. So you get Mustakis. Okay, great. If that was the, if that was the plan, then mission succeeded, and you're going to try to work around Travis Shaw and everything. Now you add in Scope, and now you have a situation where Scope has rarely, if ever, ever played shortstop in his in his career. They were talking about that. So you have to focus on that. Then you have a guy in Travis Shaw, who is about to be a makeshift middle infielder. So now you need to figure out where you're going to put both of those guys, because now the Brewers are forced into this predicament where they have legitimate bats in that infield. Now you have to figure out where you're going to put them. And again, they don't have the DH rule to lean on here. Which is the heart, which makes their life a thousand times easier. Never have I wanted the DH in the NL more <laughs> than right, right like now. If, if this was an American League team, we'd be uh, the kind of the tone would be completely different. Oh yeah, it'd be we'd perfect. Like, oh, okay, Shaw, a, Shaw would be like, the DH. Easy. Scope would be at right. second. RCA at short. Easy. Right. I mean, we wouldn't be. I mean, we would still probably be talking about how they failed to get a pitcher. But the oh, absolutely. But the but the tone of this conversation would have been like, okay, they didn't get a pitcher. But we know what that defense can do, and we know the lineup can mash. Yes, and it can. You know, uh, Jonathan Scope is, you know, his his bat's finally waking up. He's been having kind of a down a downish year in comparison to his All Star year last year. Right. You know, Travis Shaw can hit. You know, Mustakis can hit. You, and you're not moving uh, Aguilar off of first no. to save your life. No. So now you're left in a predicament where you need to get these bats into the lineup, but you also need to have a defense. And you, I think the transition for scope to shortstop might be a little bit easier, but still, now you're trying to have to try to figure out your middle infield, essentially on the fly throughout the season. And then I'm sure they're going to try to tune Arcia in to spell some of these guys because obviously they're not going to roll with them the entire season. You know, and Scope can play a little bit of third whenever Mustakis needs a spell. So can Shaw. So, I mean, I guess the only positive that I have here is that when they need to give people a break, they have endless amounts of options. Mm-hmm. The downside is how is that lineup and how is that defense going to look for the rest of the season and how is it going to be, especially going into this pennant or to this pennant chase? or rather the division chase, when you're trying to catch up to the Cubs. or And if you don't catch up to the Cubs, you're trying to, to have a death grip on that first wild card spot. And let's say this all works out great. Defense isn't a problem. Offense, putting up numbers, great. As I said in the last show, and again, as you touched on, they didn't address the biggest thing that I think has been staring them in the face, even last year, when they, when they had that outside shot of making the playoffs. It was pitching. I think that un- was their undoing. And if the Brewers don't make the playoffs this year, pitching, I believe, will be their undoing again, assuming the whole lineup issue isn't an issue and assuming the defense issue mm-hmm. isn't an issue. And they didn't get Chris Archer. Okay, that's fine. They didn't get Kevin Gosman uh, in a combo deal with, with Baltimore. All right, fine. Tyson Ross was still out there. Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey. Yep. Matt, exactly. No, John Heyman on MLB, because I had my TV fixated on MLB Network all day watching the deadline. Yeah. He said that the two teams that were gunning hard for Harvey 
Cubs and the Brewers. Matt Harvey was still out there. Um, there's so many different options that they could have gone. There, what's his name? There's another one who pitcher who plays for Minnesota who wasn't the sexiest of names but could still get the job done. I can't remember. I cannot remember his name for the life Santana? of me. Right? No, it wasn't Santana. It was Kyle. Uh, I think his first name was Kyle something. I have to look at. I, I should know. I have this. to go back. <laughs> I, I would. I, I would have to uh, look back and look at the roster. But you know, there, there's reports about him um, in the Brewers going after him. Yeah. The point. Were, the point is that there were names out there. There were people available. It's not like point. Archer was the only one. Exactly. There was exactly there wasn't. It wasn't like it was Archer or Bus or yeah. Wheeler or or Bust. You know. Right. Like there was. Plenty of fail-safes. Plenty of fail-safes. If they really felt desperate enough. You know, there's other pitchers who have vocally said that they want to go to a contender. One of which plays here in Chicago. I'm sure the I'm sure the Brewers don't really want a James Shields. But I still think a James Shields who's experienced with postseason play probably would have benefited that young staff. Yeah, absolutely. I think Shields, it helps. Shields has been pitching very well. As much as I hate to admit it, he just suffers from lack of run support. I was, and and with and this offense, he would get that exactly. Exactly, he would get that run support, so he would be protected. There were plenty of fail safes for the Brewers to go after, and they didn't engage in any. I don't know if it was an asking price thing, or I don't know if they felt that they are fine with what they have, or I don't know if this if they feel like they can still get one of these names specifically a Matt Harvey in my mind because I'm still sure that he's he's on the move before that August 31st waiver deadline there's there has to be an explanation or something that we don't know as to why they didn't engage in a pitcher or if they really just swung and missed because the fact that they did not land a pitcher and there were numerous options and it did not have to be a Chris Archer or a Zach Wheeler or a Syndergaard or a DeGrom and you didn't pull one. If I were a Brewers fan, and I mean I'm a do- I'm an adopted one, but if I'm a Brewers fan, you know who knows the organization much more than I do. Who 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 knows it inside and out? Uh, for for instance, you and most of my friends up in Whitewater. <laughs> I would be worried. I would be very very worried. My only hope here is that they're going to pull a move at the waiver deadline. And again, we've seen it happen before. That's essentially how Verlander got to Houston last year was a, was a waiver deadline deal. That's true. So I'm not saying Harvey to the Brewers, if that were to happen is the equivalent of Justin Verlander to Houston. But I mean, you have a guy, I mean, Harvey's a guy that I like a lot. He's kind of, he, he's rebounded heavily. Yes. You know, he's a guy who's been, in the postseason, he's a guy who's been pitched, who's who has pitched under the lights before, and he's doing well he's when he got- gets run with support. Exactly, and for much for as much stick as I'm going to give the Brewers' decision making process on just loading up on top talent infielders, they have they can when that offense is on, it will be on. So, really, the Brewers, I don't think they much they really have a choice if they're still in the wild card or still have that wild card spot and if they're still in that division hunt by I don't know August 10th just to, just to throw up 
a random date out there, if they're still in this, they don't have a choice. They have to go after a pitcher who might be put on waivers because as their team is currently constructed pitching-wise, the unless you want to pull a complete 180 and have your rotations start working games backwards, they're not going to win anything. They're simply not. They're not going to have a deep run in the postseason if they even get there because the lack of pitching. I don't trust that pitching set. It's good when it it's when everybody's on their good, but are they postseason good? No. You need a guy who is an established pitcher, and until they get that, I don't see the Brewers advancing very far, if at all, in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's that's been exactly my my fear is that our you know people have been saying our starting lineup has been doing decently well decent is isn't going to win you playoff games it's not going to win you games in october it's not going to win you a pennant we needed at least one dude who could come in and give us a quality start regularly you know they can't be our our starting pitching has been so inconsistent that we we just needed consistency that's all, that's that's what we really needed and the brewers came out and they said that they were determined to get to get a pitcher. They, they were determined to get a starting pitcher. That was their focus. And they didn't. Um, and it, 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 they made this, this scope move. It was literally at the last second. Um, it, it was actually announced after the, the, the deadline, but reported that it happened right as the deadline was hitting. So it was literally last second. I Like I said, I think it was a panic move. And I'm mad about it because, like, if you if you think about it even more, you're adding offense, which is always great, but you're taking away defense from a team with bad pitching. So like, well, with bad starting pitching, I should say. There, so like that that doesn't bode well either. You know, these hits that could go either way, depending on what kind of you know, depending on if Scope or Arcia plays short and there's a ball up the middle. Arcia has a better chance of getting that than Scope does. So there, there's that adds to it. That adds another layer to it. Like, yes, this might mean more run support, but it might mean giving up a couple more base hits. It, It's, I don't know, it really, like I said, I'm not complaining about Jonathan Scope. I'm very excited for him to be on the Brewers. He he's going to be great wherever we put him. He's gonna he's gonna help us contend. But the Brewers really the, the big move that needed to be made was a starting pitcher for in order for us to actually be legitimate contenders for a World Series and even you know playoff series. So moving on. Um, one of the biggest headlines from this MLB trade deadline was actually not a trade at all. It was actually what happened around 11, 11, 30, well, it was 1030, uh, 1030 central time last night. Um, all of a sudden the nationals came out and they, they commented and they said, Hey everyone, Bryce Harper's available. <laughs> Pitch us some trades. If you want Bryce, tell us what you're going to give us. And everyone was kind of freaking out. Everyone was like, holy crap, he's available. Let's go try to get him. Um, and apparently Cleveland was actually very close. Um, but then talks just kind of sizzled out. Um, and then that was all we really heard of it. But it, to me, and to Con- Connor even sent this to me, he says, we need to talk about this. 
to me, it's not really that big a news, and it makes a lot of sense to me. But, Connor, I'll let you go first on this one because I, I don't have too much to say about this one. But, I, I you know, it, what do you got? Once I woke up and saw the report that the general manager, uh, Mike Rizzo, and that's also that will also serve as my correction because I know a few days ago I said that Mike Rizzo was the manager. The manager is actually Davey Martinez, the mm. general the general manager uh, for the Nationals is Mike Rizzo. But once I woke up and saw that report, the first thing I did after I woke up is I went downstairs. I found my dad, and I was just like, well. Hope Nationals fans enjoy the last few months of Bryce Harper because that was the final nail in the coffin. He's gone after this. I don't know what they're trying to pull. And they're reporting that, oh, they never really wanted to trade him. And Mike Rizzo saying, and the, the report that, or rather the quote that Mike Rizzo said was, Bryce Harper is not going anywhere. I believe in this team. Okay, then, so where did the report that the next? Nationals were making Harper available. Where did that come from? That slipped somewhere. Somewhere in the organization slipped at that, hey, they're talking Harper. They might deal him. And if you're Bryce Harper, and I get that you're having a down year this year, that entire team is, because you look at that roster, how it's constructed. Bryce is betting at 217. Right. You look at that entire team, how it's constructed with injuries and everything, that when that team is healthy and performing at least somewhat to their capabilities, that's a team that should be winning that division. Yeah. Or at least be a lot closer to five and a half out as of when I woke up this, uh, the other day. Yeah. Washington but, is one of the best mediocre teams that we've ever seen. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. There's no reason why this team goes from 94 wins to basically a no man's land in the yeah. playoff hunt right yeah. now. But going back to Bryce Harper here, if you're him, when you hear this, and of course the day after then, you know, Mike Riddle's giving you and the team the vote of confidence saying, oh, no, we're not going to trade you. You're my boy, Blue, and everything like that. If I'm Bryce Harper, whether the only thing, yeah, the only thing that can even remotely get me to even think about staying is if this team somehow catches fire, Bryce Harper plays like the group greatest baseball player who's ever walked this earth and the nationals somehow win the world series that is the only circumstance in which i can see bryce harper legitimately staying yeah. especially after all this you know he did the theatrics at the home at the home run derby and in the all-star game which is expected which was That's expected. so great <laughs> i mean it yeah, it was. It was it just was. so entertaining, and it, you know, especially with his dad there and it being in Washington, right. it was ad- great. Ad- admittedly, I was so anti Harper for the first hour of that Derby, and oh, me too. And I started to be like, okay, I was like, okay, this is amazing. I love great baseball. This is great baseball. I love a storyline. Absolutely. Like I'll like I'll put aside my pro Trout anti Harper <laughs> side for for one night. Yet another and thing I'm that me and you agree on. And I'm going to put it aside again tonight because, or at the time when this is recorded today, or when it's released today, but you you all get the idea. But my, if I'm him, that's the only reason why I would even remotely consider staying because that's how they're going to repay him. He puts on for that city so well since he was drafted there. 
you know, he's arguably one of the best players in baseball. He's number two in my in my mind, probably in a lot of people's minds, if not number if not number one. You know, he's a former MVP winner. He's he's done so much for that city. And he has one down year on the contract year. And that's how they're gonna do him. They're like, Oh yeah, we're kinda of floating in no man's land. And you know, we're not sure if we're gonna sell or not. Oh, by the way, our star's available. You know, like that's how they're gonna do the face of the franchise, just like that. After after one year, the whole we believe, or the whole I believe in this team statement from Mike Rizzo came far too late. Yep, it came far too late. What what else was he going to say after the after they pulled him off the market? Well, exactly. So, that's that's a total owner thing to say is just right like what what else is he gonna say like i i mean i've probably i've talked about team pr 101 a billion times on this show and that was literally the next the biggest chapter how to try to save face after you take off your your face of the franchise it's chapter one you know like what else is he supposed to say and knowing that there's so many there are options out there. The Yankees might come calling, and we know they got money. The Indians are the Indians are probably still going to give a good look at him in the offseason, depending on how their payroll and everything works out. As I've mentioned before on this show, the worst kept secret in all of baseball. The Cubs are in on him. Yep. Between the between the Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant connection to the fact that the Cubs Twitter page got caught liking a bunch of Chris Bryant, not Chris Bryant. Bryce Harper highlights on Twitter. Also, is, I'm pretty sure Bryce Harper's dog is named Wrigley. Ex- exactly. I, it is arguably the worst kept secret in all of baseball. Yeah. You know, if I'm Bryce Harper, I'm gone, man. I am gone. I especially after that, I'm putting up crazy numbers at the end of the season. I'm going to try to will this team back in uh, back into postseason contention because he has that talent. Yeah. But after that, I'm tipping the cap and saying, see ya, and I'm gone. That's what I would do if I'm Bryce Harper, but that's just me. I mean, I'm also the same one that says loyalty is dead, and that kind of proved and that kind of proved my point there. But loyalty, loyalty is nothing but a word in the dictionary. But there's a difference. Like, like, like you said, like this is – they haven't put a team around uh, – well, that's that's not even true. They have put a team around them. There and, is a team. Yeah, right? and they're That's not, the but they're not winning. Won ninety four games, right? Which is, yeah. So like, it, it's an interesting situation because it's not like an Aaron Rodgers situation where he's not getting a team put around him, but it's it, like he is getting a team put around him. But it, it's almost like Toronto, where like the Toronto Raptors, where they have a, a good team, they're a really good regular season team, but for some reason. Their star chokes in the in the postseason, so it's it's almost interesting because now it it almost feels like both teams are going in the same direction where they're they're gonna switch their star out, even if they you know they're at least gonna let Harper walk even if they don't get someone else, and that's that's what I'm that's what I think happened today was or yesterday, the Nationals knew that the trade deadline was coming up and they started to look at the situation and they they knew they just they knew in their minds they knew in their hearts that Bryce Harper 
was going to be leaving at the end, at the end of this season. And uh, plain and simple, they just they they just tried to get something in return for him. They they didn't want to just let him walk. They wanted to try to get prospects. They wanted to try to get another player. They wanted to get something. Um, they started to realize that he was inevitably leaving Washington, like he was going to go to Chicago or New York. Washington, with the roster they have, and if they want to put together a better roster, they're not going to be able to afford Bryce Harper compared to these other teams like Cleveland. And they, they just decided, hey, why not try to get something for him? Why not try to get something in return? Um, to, to me, it makes perfect sense, like 100% perfect sense. If, if he, he has made it clear that he doesn't want to stay and this team isn't working out, we're sub-500 right now, if you don't want to stay, then we don't want you to stay either. We'll try to get rid of you. We'll try to speed up the process. That um, would be the only scenario in which I would say that report coming out uh, when it did is is vindicated. Yeah, that would be the oh, that would, like the only reason I would change everything I said. I would walk back everything I said only if I was told to my face or or if another report comes out shortly after. That either A, it's a foregone conclusion, Bryce is walking, right. or B, Bryce walked into Mike Rizzo's office and told him, hey, whether we win or lose, I'm piecing out at the end of the season. Right. And I think if, because if he wanted to stay, if he wanted to stay before that report happened, he's thinking more about leaving now. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like this is the final nail in the coffin. If he didn't want to leave before, He's definitely going to want out now because they just tried to offload him. I yeah, I I believe in my heart and especially the, they they were actually pretty smart about this. They might have made up their mind earlier, but to kind of come out at the last minute, you know, within the last 24 hours and say, "Hey, our, you know, the second best player in baseball is available for trade." That kind of, you know, it it it, it to me when it first came out, my mindset was like, "Holy crap, now teams are going to kind of panic and try to throw together trades and maybe they might throw too much at at them for Harper. Maybe they might give it, you know, Washington might be a, making teams scramble in order to get a better trade out of them. It didn't work in the end. Which um, would have been perfect for Washington. Exactly. I mean, if, that, you, if you end up getting teams in a panic deal where they were handing you a boatload of their top prospects, yeah. you're just like, okay, sure, we lost our face of the franchise, but man, our future is great and yeah. Two, three years. So, I, yeah, I think that that's what this whole situation comes down to. It's one of those two uh, scenarios. It's either they wanted teams to scramble within the last 24 hours or they just finally kind of – it finally sank in to Rizzo and the rest of the, the crew and they were just like, you know what? He's leaving. Let's, so so why not? We're not doing good anyway. We're, we're really – like you said, we're in no man's land. Let's try to get something. Let's try to bolster our future. Let's try to get better. Um, yeah. That's my whole thing on it. Um, that, that's exactly what I thought right away. And the more I think about it, the more it just makes sense. Um, but, yeah, so we actually have a lot of MLB deadline deals to talk about. A lot happened today. Like, I mean a lot. Like, this rivals the NBA day one of free agency as far as deals go. Um, it, it was a, it was a pretty crazy deal. I have a decent amount of trades here in front of me. I don't, I, not all of them, um, anything from yesterday and today. And, um, 
we're going to go, Connor, we're going to go speed round. And we're basically, I'm going to read off the trade. You're going to give me your thoughts. Um, and yeah, just, just quick, you know, two, three sentence thought, I guess, yeah. on each team. Um, let's do it. Yeah. So speed round, let's get it. And we obviously have to start with the Pittsburgh Pirates getting Chris Archer. Tampa Bay will receive right-hander Tyler Glass now and outfielder Austin Meadows and a player to be named later. Connor. Archer still under team control for another two, three years. Well, there's a, even reports saying that if this doesn't work out for them, whether this year or next year, they're still he's still at a very affordable contract and enough years on his contract where Pittsburgh can actually flip him again, or not flip him again, but they can flip him uh, right, a year or yeah. two down the road. On the other side, the Rays get two phenomenal ball players. Meadows is uh, looking like an MLB ready outfielder as is everyone wins this trade i think pittsburgh wins i think both teams win this one short term and long term yeah great trade for pittsburgh um sad to see as a brewers fan you know us not getting archer was hard enough but then to see him to go to a nl central rival was pretty hard um but uh yeah no very smart i didn't know the contract details about archer so that's kind of interesting um that would have made him even more appealing to me as a brewer. It's, that's just me. Um, but yeah, they're very interesting because if, you know, if that team, which I'm pretty sure they're like eight games back right now, they're not really in the hunt with St. Louis. They are, they're, I think in the central, they're about four, four and a half. Yeah. Or so. I don't know how many back in the wild card, but. I'm pretty sure it's more than that in the, they're all, in the central. They're, um, they're also a team that's in. No, that's in that kind of gray area of okay. They're still mathematically in it and close yeah. enough, but but realistically doubtful. So they're six. They're six games back of the Central, and they're three games back of Arizona in the wild in the second wild card spot. So I mean, it's there's, possible. But yeah, there's too they're many there. Good teams ahead of them that wild card, right? And then uh, so fight. so to your point, if they don't do something this season with Archer, and next season it's not looking good either. They can offload them again. So, yeah, great trade. Both sides. Tampa Bay gets good prospects. <clears throat> um, former Brewers right-handed uh, relief pitcher John Axford goes to the Dodgers from the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays get uh, Corey Copping from the Dodgers. Um, this just bolsters a very weak Dodgers bullpen. The rich keep getting richer. Absolutely, Honestly, that's. Yeah. That's pretty much all I have to say about this. It's one of those underrated moves. It wasn't the sexiest of moves, mm-hmm. obviously, but it was a move that, you know, the Dodgers needed. They pulled it off, and that team just – it's amazing to think that about a month and a half ago, this team was basically in dead last and not doing anything, and now they're basically returned to form. So not yeah. the sexiest of moves, but yeah. this still – this just – fortifies my opinion that the Dodgers are still the favorite to come out of the National League. I Yeah, I completely agree, and we're not even done with the Dodgers. We'll get back to them in a second. Uh, left-handed relief pitcher Jake Dykeman, I think. Sure. Jake Dykeman to the Diamondbacks from the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers will uh, receive minor league right-hand relief pitcher Wei-Ching Huang. Wei-Chi Wang. Huang. God, sorry, I probably butchered that. Um, and a player to be named 
later. Um, cool. <laughs> Probably bolsters the Diamondbacks bullpen. Um, they, they're more of a starting pitching team. So, you know, getting a, especially a left-hander in the bullpen is going to be good for them going forward when they're, they're chasing a pennant right now too. Yeah. Archie Bradley got some protection there in the bullpen as well. Again, mm-hmm. this is just, this is a move that definitely helps the Diamondbacks in a national league West and a wild card race that just gets more crowded as the day goes by. Yep. Um, the Orioles mate, obviously Orioles offloading, Everyone, um, they traded starting pitcher Kevin Guzman and reliever Darren O'Day to the Atlanta Braves. The Braves will receive a right-handed pitcher, Evan Phillips, uh, minor league infield Giancarlos Encarnacion, minor league catcher Brett Cumberland, minor league left-handed pitcher Bruce Zimmerman, and international bonus slot money. Um, or I, I'm going to go ahead and say Orioles in five years will be the winners of today's trade deadline. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but they completely offloaded everyone that they could except for Pac, uh, Adam Jones because he had a no trade deadline and he or a no trade clause in his contract. He didn't want to leave yet, so he just decided to stay. Um, but other than that, they, they unloaded everyone, Machado, Scope, both pitchers that they have, another uh, Britain who they had earlier, they on they offloaded everyone, and the, the the GM came out and said it's easier to demolish the whole house and rebuild than do it one room at a time. And to me, that makes perfect sense. I think in five years, after with all these different prospects and everything that they got over the last week, they are going to be a good team in the uh, in five years' time. Um, but the Braves bolster a starting pitching staff and a relief uh, bullpen which has struggled lately they started off hot and now they've they've kind of simmered down but uh yeah it, great great trade for both both teams credit to the Orioles to even getting Baltimore or they are Baltimore to even getting Atlanta to take Darren O'Day's contract which is funny because he yes. won't even be able to pitch at all this year due to injury so the fact so so the fact that Atlanta was a that they convinced Atlanta to absorb that money. I and, mean, with, yeah. between between the prospects and getting money off the books, Baltimore is shaping up to look a very dangerous team in the future. That 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 farm system just got bolstered so many uh, rankings up in the power rankings. It has to. It has to. It has to. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Especially because they got uh, uh, VR and. Uh, the other shortstop, I can't remember his name now. I have it at the top of my notes here. Uh, Camorin. Kamona. Jeez. Can't read. Kamona. Yeah. They, like you said, their their pipeline's got to be strong at this point. Okay. Now I lost where I was here. Ah, yes. Back to the Los Angeles Dodgers as the rich keep getting richer. They send Logan Forsyth, Luke Rayleigh, and Devin Schmelzer to the Twins for second baseman. Brian Dozier, a veteran bat uh, up the middle for them. Uh, Forsyth and Chris Taylor were playing second for them. So Brian Dozier is a big upgrade. Another bat in that lineup. Uh, Dodgers are looking scary. Fortify the infield. You have a sure thing at second. That's the, that has to be arguably the best infield 
or one of the best infields in the entire National League, if not the entire. That, as yeah. I mentioned, I it's I'll sound like a broken record when it comes to the Dodgers, but I'll just leave it at this: they're coming out of the National League and representing them in the World Series. And Unless they face the Brewers, because the Brewers seem to have their number. I'm. Can the Brewers even get into the postseason with pitching? Fair point. <laughs> not not too much other than that on this trade. Uh, very good for the Dodgers. Interesting for the Twins. You know, offloading Dozier is probably good for them and getting a couple of young guys. Um, but the Twins are kind of in no man's land as far as, like, they were contending. They made some moves in the offseason. Now they're offloading. It's strange time for Minnesota. Um Catcher Wilson Ramos got traded from the Tampa Bay Rays to the Philadelphia Phillies. And the Rays, um, oh, the Rays are receiving cash considerations and a player to be named later. Um, yeah, the Phillies getting an uh, all-star catcher in Wilson Ramos. Um, while I um, can't think of uh, Cat Knapp, was that, their, was that their young catcher? He hasn't, he's been struggling this season. Um so, yeah, a good pickup for the Phillies as they try to chase their pennant. This only works out if Ramos comes back completely healthy from the hamstring injury he's currently on the DL for. Right, yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, if he if he does and he's anywhere near his all-star level, um, he's going to help them um, maintain that top spot in their division for sure. Um, right-handed relief pitcher Brad Ziegler from the Marlins to the Diamondbacks for Tommy Evald, another right-handed pitcher. Um, kind of, you know, straight up. I think Ari- I think Ziegler was actually with Arizona. I think this he is him. was. Yeah, he w- This was. This is him returning to the Diamondbacks. Um, again, they're a starting pitching team, so this bolsters uh, their bullpen, helps them out in the pennant race. Yeah, I pretty much said my opinion about the bullpen help with the previous one that you mentioned. So mm-hmm. let's move forward. Yeah, because now now they have to compete with that uh, that offense over in LA. So they're going to need all the pitchers they can get. <clears throat> um, the Indians, uh, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, they were going after Bryce Harper. The Indians have been looking for help in the outfield, specifically a bat in the outfield, and they tried to address that issue with uh they they got uh leonis martin uh an outfielder and a relief pitcher kyle dowdy from the tigers and they they sent detroit infielder willie castro um so he helps the off the the outfield but it's not obviously it's not bryce harper and it's not anywhere near what they were looking for but it 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 helps it'll help um give them a a slight boost i guess in the in the al central where they have they have a pretty solid lead so i mean anything is going to help to to maintain it but what are your thoughts this uh yeah um i don't really have many (laughs) i can't i can't i don't think i i have many thoughts about this to be completely fair it was kind i mean it's definitely it definitely helps both teams and uh, to be to be honest with you but i kind of looked at it and it was kind of just like Eh? Yeah. Like what? One hundred percent. Like I mean, in all in all fairness, though, Leonis Martin is a very, is very much a productive bat <clears throat> in the outfield, and he has a fairly decent glove on him as well. 
it and it's yeah that's really all i all i have it was kind of just like eh, all right they 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 addressed the need fairly good way to address a need cleveland wins the al central ho-hum where have i seen the story before yeah. you know so for real um so on to the one of the more strange uh trades of the day um the cardinals sent tommy fam um and some uh international slot money to the tampa bay rays for an outfielder justin williams left-handed pitcher Genesis Cabrera and a right-handed pitcher Roel Ramirez. Um, so this helps the Cardinals with pitching, basically that, that gives them a lefty and a righty out of the bullpen. But it it's just interesting to see, first of all, to see them ship out Tommy Pham because I, uh, as much as it pains me, thank God he's gone now. But it, he almost seems like he is a future MVP. He's got the talent, and it seems like he's got the poise. Um, so it was interesting to see the Cardinals let him go. And it was also interesting to see the Rays who have been offloading to kind of reload with this guy. It's almost like they, they got him as their new centerpiece to build around. Um, just interesting to see a seller go and get a, you know, what I see as a future MVP player. A lot of people thought that this means that the Cardinals are selling I don't necessarily think this means that they're completely just calling it. It's oh, just, I don't think so. It's just confusing, or it's not really confusing. It's just I'm very curious because they're also in that weird, not out of it, but they aren't exactly kicking open the door. They're still in it mathematically. They're still close enough where they can make noise if they get hot. But again, in a division where the Cubs can get hot at the at the drop of a hat honestly the brewers who as they've shown this season when when they're on they can the only team that apparently they can't beat are the cubs and then in the and then in a wild card where there's so many good teams that they have to leapfrog in order to get up even within a game and a half it's it's unfortunate that that tommy fam isn't going to be there long term i thought he was going to be one of their corner cornerstones of that franchise absolutely I, st- I think he finds a good home, though, and I still think the Cardinals have enough to compete this season. I think I won't fully have an opinion on this until I know what they do in the winter. If they're going to start blowing everything up or they're just going to start retooling because they realize that it's not just going to be them and the Cubs. They have to worry about the Brewers, and Pittsburgh is shocked people really right. the only team in that division who isn't doing squat is cincinnati yeah so i won't so i won't fully have an opinion on the cardinals move today until i know what their long-term plan is and what they're gonna engage in for the offseason yeah it's just strange because the cardinals it, it it always seems like they always offload and reload <laughs> during the trade deadline like they always seem to do a little bit of both it's really hard to read them but speaking of the Reds, the Reds send uh, outfielder Adam Duvall to the Atlanta Braves for Preston Tucker, Lucas Sims, and uh, Matt Weisler. Sims and Weisler being pitchers, Tucker an outfielder. Um, they go to Cincinnati. Um, I don't have too much on this one because 
yeah, Duvall's having kind of a down year. I mean, if he can figure it out, and I'm sure and him being in a him being in a playoff hunt will it, get get his bat rejuvenated. And it's, I don't I don't really know. He he's got to be like, you know, he's going to be a pinch hitter for them or something like because he they're not going to put him in right where Marcakis is, and I I don't know. It, it almost it, it's kind of like a meh trade. The Reds are kind of reloading. It's definitely a move where I think helps out a lot of those young outfielders. And again, if you can get his bat uh, uh, to, to, to come alive again, I, it, I don't think this is a bad trade. I don't think it's a bad trade at all. I think Duvall can definitely help, as we've seen so many times, the postseason hunt can rejuvenate even the most sleeping of giants, honestly. Not to say Duvall is a world beater of a baseball player, but... He's yeah. good enough. He's a good ball player. I think he helps that Atlanta Braves team. I am unfamiliar with his contract situation, so I'm not sure if they have to, if they have control on him for past this year or not. But either way, for this for this year, considering that the Braves are well ahead of schedule of their rebuild, good trade. I agree. Uh, the Texas Rangers get a right-handed pitcher in Keon Kella, Kella, Kela, sure. Right, uh, so they get a right-handed pitcher, and they send a left-handed pitcher in Taylor Hearn and a player to be named later to – wait. <laughs> Website I'm reading this off of has the Rangers and then to the Rangers. The Rangers traded uh, Kella. Right. And all of that. But... Oh, so they're not – the Rangers traded Kella, and they're getting – who did they trade to then? Who is this trade with? I don't even remember, honestly. It just says Rangers and Rangers. <laughs> All right. Well, someone's fired on the tech team. But... All right. Anyway, skip. Um, moving yeah, moving on. Um, second baseman Ian Kinsler got traded to the Red Sox from the Angels, and the Angels will receive right-handed pitcher Ty Buttry and another right-handed pitcher William Jerez um, going to Los Angeles. Big pickup for the Red Sox. Uh, a veteran, solid middle infielder in Ian Kinsler um, should help. Should help them. Uh, definitely offensively, but he's I. It, he's an underrated def- defender too, so helps him on both sides of the ball. I think this definitely helps out because of the questions with Dustin Pedroia. That of questions that he always faces. So if Pedroia is not out there, you have an established second baseman, a guy who's been in the postseason hunt, who has a bat, who has a phenomenal glove. This is a great move for a team that I really do think is going to do a lot of damage come postseason play. Great move by Boston. It's, it's, I still think it's going to come down, honestly, uh, between them and the Yankees on who's going to go to the world, who's going to go to the world series. This is a move that definitely helps them because it's Ian Kinsler, because we know what he's capable of, and because there's so many question marks about Dustin Pedroia's health. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the Yankees, the Yankees receive right-handed pitcher Lance Lynn from the Minnesota Twins, um, and the Twins will receive pitcher Luis Rijo. Yeah, Luis Rijo and – Utility player Tyler Austin, um, good pitching for the Yankees. Lance Lynn, underrated uh, pickup for the Twins on the offseason. 
Um, pretty de- not a great season, but still a solid arm. Um, if he's not going to start, still out of the bullpen, he can come out and give you a few innings. So solid pickup for the Yankees. That's going to help them a lot chasing or competing with the Red Sox and hopefully helping them in October. Depth is the word here. Yeah. You can never have too many pitchers. You know, and the Yankees, it's another case of the rich getting richer. You have a guy who can go into the bullpen if you need to, and you have a guy that can uh, give some of your starters a rest as, as well. Uh, maybe, maybe have a, a start here or there. Again, this is a great pickup. It's a de- uh, for depth. You can never have not have too many pitchers. We saw the pitchers around whether they are in the starting rotation, move them into the bullpen for certain things during the postseason specifically in the world series so this is great i think it's a i think it's a, a great move i yeah. don't think it's you know again it's not the sexiest of moves that the yankees pulled off but again going into postseason you need depth you need that extra pitching help and uh, yeah absolutely. they got it in lance Lynn. um so next i believe this looks like a yeah so this is a three-way trade so excuse me if this gets confusing. Uh, right-handed pitcher Zach Duke goes to the Mariners from the Twins. Right-handed pitcher Adam Warren goes to the Mariners from the Twins. Right-handed pitcher Chase DeJong and infielder Ryan Castillo goes to the Twins from the Mariners, while the Yankees are somehow involved in this and get international signing money because New York needs more money um, from the uh from yeah from the Mariners not sure why the Yankees are involved in this um Adam Warren was a Yankee uh so Warren uh the Yankees ended up trading Adam Warren away as a part as a part of this deal actually oh okay so again this so, website has that wrong cool I think that uh, as far as how I feel about this trade you know Seattle is surprising a lot of people I think they're gonna make a serious push in this last um, the last two months, the Yankees are in the best position here, short term and long term, because they have the lineup and they have the the firepower, both pitching and in lineup wise mm-hmm. to compete this year, next year, and the year after For that. For years to come, because their lineup is so sh- or so young, yeah. And that and their farm system is still very very deep. They haven't had to sacrifice a lot, and with that, and with the si- international signing uh, money that they're going to get a boost in, they can go get some of these top prospects in Cuba, the DR, etc., etc. Maybe if maybe if another Shohei Otani comes out of Japan, mm-hmm. the Yankees are setting themselves up to be a force to be reckoned with for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Assuming that they don't blow up the farm system. And well, the Twins, yeah. again, they've, as, and if we're going to look at the Twins here, I think that, again, a team that's, I think the rebuild is complete, if not close to being complete. They're, they're competitive. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this works out for them. I think I have, I think for me, the definite winners on this one are Seattle and, uh, for now, and the Yankees for now, in the next ten years, honestly. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, the Yankees being so young and their ability to go buy players, they're going to be fine for the next couple of years with that farm system. And the last one that we are going to talk about today, right-handed pitcher Roberto Osuna goes to the the Astros in Houston, sends Ken Giles, Hector Perez, and David Paulino, all right-handed pitchers, to Toronto. Um, the Blue Jays sending over Osuna. Um, interesting for me, the Astros' bullpen has been terrible. Um, so them giving up guys to get this one guy, Osuna must be decent. I've never really heard of him. Osuna but, is one of the best young okay. uh, closers in the league. That's, However, well, he's, well, yeah. he's, currently, he's currently serving a suspension due Ooh. to allegations domestic dispute which makes this trade uh very very interesting because have some guys who are very open about this justin verlander being one of them you know they're very they're like vehemently against this they've i think someone in the astros organization um there's a video that he hit his girlfriend and they came out like fire breathing dragons talking about it and and now this guy who's the best young arms in in the in the league suspension and he will be eligible for post season play to see how how team dynamic works you know uh obviously obviously the astros must know that he's uh remorseful enough and they believe in his talent they also must know that there's something behind the scenes where they know that this isn't going to happen again he's going to have his head on straight but it'll be also interesting to see how the legal ramifications are going to go for this. And we already know the suspension from the baseball side, but let's see how the legal side of things play out. Cause that could play a big role in this as well. It's <clears throat> from a purely baseball standpoint, from a purely baseball standpoint, I definitely think the Astros win because again, yes. an electric young arm, Ken Giles was inconsistent. Yeah. He really year. wasn't doing it for them out of the pen closing games. So getting a young guy like Osuna, if it pans out, could be very right. helpful uh, closing exactly. the door for him. Exactly. So from a baseball standpoint, the Astros. Oh, okay. Um, I lost you, Connor. I think that must be the internet's way of telling me to shut up. <laughs> yeah, you just, you, yeah, we missed most of what you just said. <laughs> Long story short, baseball perspective, great move. We need to see how the legal ramifications uh, carry out. Let's move on before fate wants to do something else to get me to shut up. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> for those of you listening to the podcast, because I'm going to edit that out, uh, Connor, just uh, we, we just lost connection with him, and he talked for about two minutes, and I did not hear a word he said, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough baseball. Because that was a lot of baseball. But there's some actually very exciting news. So first of all, I just want to say that, uh, oh, you know what? We'll, we'll talk Thursday. Um, so Thursday night is the first preseason game of the new NFL season. And I could not be more excited for football to come back. I, I, I've just been itching. To, like, obviously, the NBA is great. I love it. I love watching. The Bucks have been fun. MLB has been fun this year. The Brewers are really good. Always entertaining. But nothing beats the NFL and nothing beats football season. I cannot wait for this to start. Um, if I would have thought about this and planned this out better, we would have done a lot more football in this episode. Um, but 
we'll be able to do that after the first game. We'll start looking and we'll start previewing um, the actual NFL season coming up. We'll look at every division, every team, everything. Um, we'll do a big preview show about that. But for now, there's a football league that is already underway and is about to uh, to have a comeback and a comeback season to be specific because uh, Johnny Manziel is going to be making his much-anticipated Canadian Football League debut on Friday when he starts at quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes. Alouettes. I almost messed that up. Um, Per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Manziel will start against his former team, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Tiger Cats signed Johnny Manziel in May, um, but traded him to Montreal on June or on July 22nd as he uh, was stuck behind uh, Matt Masoli as on their depth chart, um, a guy that they're pretty set on, which I'm not really sure why they signed Johnny to begin with. But, you know, Johnny hasn't played a regular season snap in the Canadian Football League yet, so he will be making his debut. Um, and uh, the Alouette's G- GM was quoted in saying, this is a move that both uh, Cavis Reed and I uh, and I felt that we needed to make at the time. Oh, I'm sorry. This quote is from the head coach, not the GM. So Cavis Reed is the, is the GM. So this is a move that both the GM and I felt we needed to make at the time. Um, neither one of us believe in the status quo and we felt we needed to shake things up. And Johnny is someone we believe who can elevate, uh, one of the most important positions on our team. So comeback season is in full effect for Johnny Manziel. Connor, what do you think of that? Obviously very happy, uh, me being a Johnny Manziel fan. So let's get that one out the way. This is going to be huge for Johnny. You know, this is going to be massive uh, to see how how his game is going to translate to the CFL. You know, it, it's been almost, what, five years since we've actually seen him play in a professional football league. You know, the spring league, yeah, we saw bits and pieces and all of that, but it's nothing compared to the NFL. It's certainly nothing compared to the CFL. The, the, it, I mean... This is going to be big. This is this game, not only just this game, but however long that they have him as their starting quarterback, this is going to be crucial for, for Johnny Menzel, whether or not he shows that he's a serviceable enough quarterback or a guy who really has uh, rectified his life, which from an off-the-field standpoint, I would say yes. But from an on-the-field standpoint, we get to see if he's fixed some of the, some of the holes in his game. Obviously, he'll there'll probably be a little bit of rust, even though he's gotten plenty of reps and practice and everything. Yeah, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Game time, being the star, yeah, it's. It, I, I can't stress this enough. This game and the rest of it, I think it's crucial for both his CFL career and any chance he has on getting back into the NFL. And rest assured, there are going to be plenty of people. Affiliate, affiliated with the NFL, keeping a very close eye on Johnny Menzel. Yeah, absolutely, because this is, like you said, he he has seemed to have cleaned up his off the field act, um, and that was the main reason that he that he didn't work out in the NFL, especially in Cleveland. But um, now now that he's actually 
on a team that he's going to be starting for and he's going to be playing for. Um, there's not anyone in front of him. This is going to be hit the second part of the comeback, really. Like, the first part was him getting clean and him getting into the football uh, world again. But now that he's he's back in there, he's got he's to gotta go out on the field and prove that he can still be a, a, a baller. He can He needs to prove that he can still play football, he can still play the quarterback position. Um, and it's like you said, there's going to be scouts watching for sure. Um, if not the first game, at, you know, if he starts lighting it on fire, there's going to be NFL scouts watching to see if Johnny can can come back to the NFL and come help some teams. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge Johnny, a huge Johnny fan. Uh, I can't wait. I'm going to try to watch this game on Friday, however possible. Um, but it, it, it's great for him and great for his career. And I hope this furthers the comeback season and furthers him returning to the NFL because I just I think it I want the best for him he he went through some rough times um and now it seems like he's getting his life back together and I'm I'm excited for him yeah um also so I just got this breaking news I was checking my phone and uh so we're recording this we're recording this uh what is today Tuesday, Tuesday night, Tuesday. and uh, about 13 minutes ago, Bleacher Report sent out a uh, report saying that Tristan Thompson came out of nowhere and sucker punched Draymond Green at LeBron's ESP or ESPYS after party. <laughs> now, whoa, <laughs> what? That's super interesting, but I kind of like it because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Draymond. Um, but yeah kind of interesting um that yeah it, it was being held at an la club uh tristan thompson got into a physical altercation at the club in los angeles um a fight between nba players oh wait oh no never mind that's that's nothing yeah so i don't know just fun little story that just broke uh, you got anything you want to say on that? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And can you tell these two hate each other? <laughs> Apparently, LeBron and Kevin Durant had to step in and break the fight up. Oh, boy. Man, all I got to say is Cleveland and Golden State games are still going to be so, so so entertaining these these two guys just genuinely i don't think there's any coming back from this i don't don't think these two will ever reconcile at all i mean you saw that they look like they're ready to just tear each other's heads off during the finals and oh yeah tristan thompson going up and sucker punching the dude it's (laughs) i mean you would think you would think that tristan thompson had to have known that draymond was going to this party or vice versa oh absolutely like, this is unreal. And people say the NBA is boring. <laughs> and people say the NBA is boring. Okay. I think it's great. All right. Um, on to some segments. So we're going to do winners and then losers. And obviously one last thing. So we're going to start with winners. Connor, you want to start? Yeah. Uh, I will go. The winner are Connor McGregor fans, <laughs> including me. Because our report came out this morning where apparently he is very close to a super fight against Khabib last name very hard to pronounce I won't even attempt just, just Khabib yeah, everyone knows Khabib 
I believe it's for the uh, the light heavyweight or the lightweight title. Right. And that fight could happen or will most likely happen this year in October in Vegas. So I'm really hoping that that fight becomes confirmed. I can see I can see it being confirmed this Saturday in, in oh, the yeah. midst of in the midst of the TJ Dillashaw uh, Cody Garbrandt fight. So I can definitely see it uh, yeah. be confirmed then because that's when the Ronda Rousey comeback fight was confirmed when oh, yeah. uh, around around the same time when a when a big fight was going on. And so. you could argue you could argue that UFC is the winner too because they their original plans they wanted Lesnar to be fighting in October, but he did not uh, enter the USADA quickly enough to make his return that early so so now that they have you know now that connor's not going to jail (laughs) they'll be able to put they'll be able to put a big name into that ring and uh especially in vegas they're going to be able to bring in a lot of revenue yeah you have the face of the franchise coming back basically i mean you have the guy yeah i mean it was him and rousey for the longest time i mean this is the guy who's your cover athlete for your ufc video game two years in a row now he shared the cover with rousey last year he has the his He's on the cover by himself for this year's version of the game. And everyone wants Conor McGregor to come back. It, this is going to be great. I know I'm going to watch. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, win- the winners here are McGregor fans and definitely the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my winner today is um, WWE because WWE have uh, agreed, uh, reportedly agreed to a contract with independent wrestling star Matt riddle um uh according to h jenkins of ringside news the signing reportedly came after riddle canceled numerous appearances and pulled um all items from his online store per uh cassidy haynes of bodyslam.net the deal is for three years much like aj styles uh shinsuke nakamura and the good brothers did uh two years ago two and a half years ago now um, it's a three-year deal, and Riddle is expected to make his debut, as everyone does in NXT, while he will be sitting in the crowd ringside for the NXT TakeOver show in Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, he'll they'll be like, oh my goodness, look who's in the crowd. It's Matt Riddle. <laughs> and then there'll be a nameplate, and he'll sit there and do his wave or salute or wink or whatever. They seem to have one of those at every takeover. Um, but yeah, uh, Matt Riddle is a mixed martial, mixed martial arts uh, background where he he was eight and three as a professional with two not no contest also but uh he was a big big dude in the MMA so now he much like Rousey and uh, I can't think of his name Ken Shamrock Ken Shamrock thank you uh, much like they uh, moved from fighting to wrestling he also did the same thing and um, he is currently an independent well was an independent wrestler and one of the best performers in the world. Um, the only, the only thing that was keeping him out of the WWE and out of new Japan also was his, uh, his enjoyment of the, uh, of the wacky tobacco. Um, this, uh, he has tested positive for marijuana, uh, specifically after the two, the two fights that ended in no contest, um, but he, well, a lot of times, <laughs> it's, there's been a lot. So that's going to be interesting because WWE, apparently, now apparently they're they're not tolerant of it. But I've heard that there is a quote weed fee. Um, if you if you want to smoke, you kind of have to pay like a subscription fee or something like that. 
and then you can kind of slip through the drug testing. I don't know. That's just reported, obviously. I don't know that for sure. So if that works out for them, then they have just then they have just gained a star for the future because Matt Riddle is an incredible wrestler. He's an incredible performer, and I cannot wait for him to be NXT champion within the next year. On to some losers. Connor, who do you got losing? You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> for every reason that we've already explained, this show and the previous show. You already yeah, you said this on Monday. We should all know. The Milwaukee Brewers. I, I I said this would be my losers if what happened during the deadline indeed happened. So yeah. I'm gonna leave it at I'm gonna leave it at that the Milwaukee Brewers because I promised this would have happened if certain events did not happen and those events did not happen. So yeah. my my loser the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, they lost and you could say I am hashtag mad about it as we started the show off. Um, so my loser today is Charles Barkley because Charles Barkley came out and I have the entire quote in front of me and. He says, I was hoping James would stay in Cleveland. I took, I, or I look at the move to LA strictly as a business decision. He's on the downside of his career. He wants to be a big Hollywood mogul. He's going to be diving or driving to the beach every day instead of going through the snow. The Lakers are not even close to a top tier team. There's a five or six seed in the best case scenario. The reason he's losing is because that is one of the worst takes of all time. Charles Barkley, how are you still employed by anyone involving the NBA? Because holy, okay. <clears throat> they're, they're obviously a top tier team. You can't even say that they're not close to a top tier. They have LeBron James. Of course they're a top tier team. You think Cleveland's a top tier team without him? No, but they were with him. Any team that he would have gone to would have been a top-tier team. Any, t- any team that he would have went to. And it, it's strictly a business decision. Yes, it's mostly a business decision, I would say. He's, he's, now he's got, he's got this uh, HBO series that he's already working on. He's working in the school already. He's probably going to be doing stuff in L.A. with that kind of stuff. Of course, it was a business decision, but it's also a personal decision of his because he's always wanted to play in L.A., it's been a dream of his, you know, he he, he explained it. I, I think it was in the interview with Rachel's, Rachel Nichols. He He's always wanted to play in L.A. It's such a historic franchise. And it's just, it, even he, as the best player currently on the planet, even he just got, like, giddy of the thought wearing the, the yellow and purple. And that's why he's been wearing so much merch lately. Like, he, he's... He's genuinely excited to be there. This wasn't just strictly business, Charles. I uh, this man, I I can't believe this man is still allowed to talk basketball because it's just ridiculous. They're a five or six seed best case scenario. No, <laughs> they're. I mean, even if okay, cool. Like the the Cavaliers were a, what what were they a three a four seed this year? They were a four seed and they still made it to the finals. That. It, LeBron James' teams have never been fantastic in in the regular season, but it Charles Barkley loses. 
he he loses because he's God. <laughs> you could say I'm mad about that too. Charles Barkley just needs to stop talking about basketball. That's that's all I gotta say. One no, last thing. That I'm deprived of comedy on NBA on TNT. <laughs> I don't know. Shaq is still pretty good, and Shaq at least has some. Intri- yeah, he, he at least has some competent Sir, takes. Sir Charles can be an idiot, but I love listening to Charles. That's fair. <laughs> when he's not giving hot takes, he is. He knows what he's talking about. So, <laughs> I guess. Leave Chuck alone. I will never leave Chuck alone. <laughs> Um, one last thing for today, Connor. What do you got? For the love of all that sacred and holy, please end the show with AJ Styles' theme song. Oh, okay. Um, that, they don't want that, none. That's 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 part one of I was that. Stay tuned for AJ's theme song. <laughs> oh, oh my! <laughs> and part two. Part two of my of my one last thing would be that I'm very excited for football to come back. You know, I'm very, you know, sure I'm not going to see a whole lot of the you know the main starters and everything, but it's great. I'm very excited. You know, I, like you, I've been waiting a while for NFL football to come back, and I'm, and as a Bears fan, even though everybody is legitimately just ruling us out as they probably should, but I I think. I think, and I said this while I was at that Whitewater, and I will say it now, I think the Bears have the capability of making an already interesting enough NFC North even that much more interesting, only if they can get it together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm very curious to know how the whole new head coach and Matt Nagy system is going to translate, but honestly, I'll save my whole optimistic Bears fan speech for another day. I am just great. I'm just grateful that football is coming back. And yeah, I don't have to wait any any longer. You just you, you just keep telling yourself, you know, whatever helps you sleep at night, Connor. That's you just you keep telling yourself I, that, buddy. I end up I end up picking a new team by week five anyway, so it's fine. I'm just telling you right now, the Bears are not gonna be as good as people think. The the Lions are still a a dumpster fire and the Vikings are Going to obviously slide from last year. Kirk Cousins is not going to be what they think he is. But we will get into all of that. Um, I have, uh, as as much as this defies logic, I have two one last things. Um, one is the Brewers just beat the Dodgers. So that's cool. I believe now we are now tied with the <clears throat> Cubs. So that's cool. Come back there. Um, shutting out the Dodgers. Wade Miley went seven innings with no earned runs fascinates me and either way um my actual one last thing is that defense is dead (laughs) the defense in the nfl is slowly but surely dying because it makes no sense to me that khalil mack and aaron donald two of the premier defensive um players in the nfl have not re-signed new contracts they are currently trying to hold out with their teams with the raiders and rams respectively um they are not signed to new deals but somehow Brandon Cooks, who has not played a single snap with the Rams, got a five-year extension. And Stephon Diggs, who has never caught uh, more than 1,000 yards in a single season, got an extension with the Vikings. Um, Obviously, analytics are 
are dictating that offense is stronger than defense at this point. Even with a good offense, or even with a good defense, a good offense can overtake it. So defense, defense is officially. I'm putting the putting the gravestone stamp on it. NFL defense is dead. Yeah, yeah. That's all I gotta say on that. But yeah, um, to preview uh, upcoming episodes, um, I'm I want to say Thursday will probably be an NFL unless something big happens in some other sport. Thursday, you can count on being some sort of NFL preview, some sort of NFL talk. Um, because I'm just super excited to talk about football. I'm super excited to watch football. Um, so yeah, you can expect that. Well, Friday's episode, sorry, we'll be recording Thursday, Friday's episode for you guys. Um, that'll be a football episode. And then going forward, especially with all these preseason games, we'll probably try to split up like each division. Like we'll probably do like NFC North, NFC West, NFC, like each episode, like we'll try to, we'll, we'll spread it out and we'll time it right so that we can get all the all the teams in, all the divisions in before the season starts. Um, so then that'll be a big uh, preseason preview, basically, of the NFL. So that's what we're going to try to do over the next couple of weeks while also sprinkling in some baseball as we come to the end of the season and some NBA as we approach that season too. Um, and then obviously UFC and wrestling. Of course, we have to do wrestling um, with SummerSlam coming up. But, yeah, those are the those are the upcoming things that we will be talking about and previewing um, on first round KO. Connor, you want to take us out? For sure. Until we get to those and to hear all of that, make sure you give us a, uh, a follow and on iTunes a subscription uh, at first round KO or search first round KO podcast. Either one pulls up. I actually had somebody look it up earlier today and they subscribed. So, yeah. yay. <clears throat> so, there's that. <laughs> Also, make sure to follow us at Twitter at FRKL Podcast. Follow Kyle at Olson2K18. And follow myself at ConnorMore underscore seven. Links in the description. Links in the description. <laughs> I'm going to say that every time. I feel like I'm doing a YouTube video. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> I feel like I'm vlogging again. Oh, speaking of YouTube, me and Connor are going to get, I, I know I've said this a couple of times, but I, we, I do want to start doing something with the YouTube channel. Um, it'll probably, it probably won't be until Connor comes back to Whitewater, but I do want to start doing something. So stay tuned for that. Anyway. That'll be, that'll be so very, fun. So very fun. interesting. So fun. Oh, man. <clears throat> but until then, until then, thank you all for listening and Make sure to stay tuned as we shock the system since day one-ish.